0: This week, Better Than Life, Series 2, Episode 2. Originally aired September 13th, 1988. Brooke Shields, the Friday the 13th movie series, and Bob Geldof. Is there any further sign needed that this was made in 1988? listening to Searching for Fouchal," part of the Oi Spaceman podcast channel, in which a polyamorous husband and wife do a deep dive on the sci-fi comedy series Red Dwarf from an intersectional feminist perspective. This podcast is definitely not safe for work. Find us at oyspaceman.com.
1: Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun.
2: <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. I mean, you should get your outro music there. That's kind of how I feel.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. So welcome, episode eight, Searching for Fushal. We're back again. We're talking about more Red Dwarf, and this will probably go up pretty soon after the last episode. We're uh, kind of skipping. We're just doing a couple of Red Dwarfs in a row um, because it's easier for us to do so. Uh, I'm Daniel. That's Shayna, as always. Yo! and today we are we are talking about the episode better than life not the book better than life although that is on the agenda down the line just a little bit
2: oh so, I forgot that the book was actually called better than life
0: there's one of the books is called better than life yes the second book okay so uh, we will be reading that um here in a few months but uh, not today <laughs> fair enough so Shana uh, I guess this is uh this is a big episode um this is it the one is. where we get uh kind of in-depth on Rimmer's family a little bit, and we kind of get, like, a lot of his pathos kind of comes from right here. Um, Yeah. We get Ace. We don't get Ace.
2: Do we not get Ace?
0: That's way down the line.
2: What am I thinking, then? Oh, never mind. He's He says Arnie, not Ace.
0: Yeah.
2: Sorry. You can cut that all out. Yeah,
0: we'll cut all that out. I'm like, no?
2: (laughs) I mean, we kind of get a (laughs) proto-Ace. Sure. Uh... I mean, I, I guess at least we get a little bit into the insight of what Rimmer wishes he were, um, with a heavy dose of Rimmer's inability to escape reality.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Uh, for some pretty heavy reasons.
0: Yeah, yeah, which we'll get into. Um, lots to talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, this is one, you know, a lot of the ones... You know, when we're talking about, as I start looking at the structure of these more deeply, you know, I mean, this really is kind of, again, split up into three kind of basic parts. Um, first part is uh, kind of hanging around, goofing off, and uh, telling jokes about um, various things about rumor learning to cook.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, second part kind of gets into the post comes, you know, the post pod, and then you get some some funny stuff there, and then you get into the interpersonal dynamics of Rimmer's family, and then, you know, kind of the third part which ends up being about half the episode is uh the better than life stuff
2: okay you you listed more than three parts there in my mind <laughs> <laughs> repeat those three
0: parts <laughs> the first part is kind of goofy hang around where learn to cook okay the second part is the post comes and then up to them entering better than life it's kind of i'm considering all one
2: thing. okay okay i see what you're so saying
0: so the response to the to the mail pod mm-hmm. and then You know, we go into Better Than Life, and this does seem to be, I mean, it is kind of interesting that, I mean, just on a structural level in terms of, like, sitcoms, and I haven't done, like, a systemic look at, you know, um, or a systematic look at sitcoms of the 80s, but, you know, today I think we would expect, if they were going to do an episode called Better Than Life, you would enter the game earlier and deal with it, you know, it would be more the center of the episode. Whereas, um, in these shows, I mean, you really do still have this very clear three-act structure where the, really only the third act is really dealing with the thing that the episode is supposed to be about.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that though, because for me, the, the third act is kind of in three acts.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are certainly further subdivisions. So if you don't want to say, oh, it's a three-act structure, I kind of get that, but.
2: But I also think that some of the themes that are brought up um, I I guess what I'm saying is I think there's there's a healthy amount of foreshadowing in this episode. Sure. I
0: guess, I guess what and I'm saying is this episode is shouldn't be called Better Than Life. It should be called Remmer's Abusive Past. But that sounds well, a lot less fun, right? So.
2: Fair. But I, I, I think it, it's the, the name Better Than Life, uh, is actually a pretty good title for me because, uh, it plays at the duality. You know, what's better than life? The video game. What's better than that life? You know, there's there's always going to be something better than, you know, this life, whatever sure. that may be. Um, And sometimes, you know, the better option is, is only because you can't think of anything better than that better.
0: Sure. Which is a little bit circular. But anyways. <laughs> so I guess, um, I mean, there we'll, we'll kind of do some funny stuff and we'll mm-hmm. do some more serious stuff. And uh, I guess the best place to start is, uh, what do you think of this one? How do you like this episode?
2: I, I like a lot of stuff in this episode, but this is an episode where I, I feel like they make the point to spite the characters in some places, where I feel like the, the cat's a little meaner than I, I really feel like he has been before now. Maybe that's characterization and plot development. You know, the cat is really starting to hate Rimmer and not just kind of be annoyed by him. But there was a little bit of meanness there, and I much prefer when they feel like they're finally starting to get along, and maybe, maybe Rimmer made the most god-awful rubber dumplings, you know? <laughs> but Lister still ate them.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, we we assume he ate them. He was uh, certainly uh, digging into that, um, um, you know, milk and magnesia pretty before, pretty yes. you know? Yes,
2: so. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I I think that's what we're led to believe.
0: Yeah, I I think everybody ate it just kind of like as much as they could stomach. And uh, apparently uh, the cat just ate all he could stomach and then had to have his stomach pumped. So, you know. Right. Uh, Interesting that uh, Rimmer is blaming the scatters for everything. (laughs) And uh, blaming their insubordination at that. Which I think is, you know, I'm starting to get like, yeah, Rimmer... Maybe the Scutters just don't like you. Maybe it doesn't really have anything to do with their personalities.
2: Well, and I think that that's a lot of the whole episode is, um... How do you expect other people to like you if you don't like yourself? Sure. If you're not someone you would want to be around, why would anyone else want to be around you?
0: Yeah, and if you're treating everybody like shit, and you're treating, like, these you know these sentient beings i mean you know the, the fact that they, i mean they're john wayne fan club you know, members God, which yes. is like the like the, the silliest little thing i mean it, it really seems to be built around just so that you can have them do the little like cowboys and indians uh bit in the uh, hallway there
2: true but then again i don't know i love the scudders. yeah they have so much personality
0: for three fingers on a broom essentially yeah no, they're great. They're, they're they're great little. I mean, it's a great little moment. I, I love that. And the, I mean, the fact that they're John Wayne fans. I mean, you do see them uh, watching westerns every now mm-hmm. and then. So it's kind of a recurring motif. Um, but uh, yeah, they'll just uh, sit and like you say, keep an eye on that lamb, and then they'll sit and just watch it burn for three hours. Which mm-hmm. uh, remember, you really should have like been keeping a close eye on your lamb if you're waiting for three hours. Right. You, know? you, you know, can't when... really blame the scutters. Entirely. And the other
2: thing too is they're robots. Right. If you, t- it's, you know, that's kind of the joke about robots in a lot of popular science fiction is that if you are too literal in what you say, that's all they're going to do. So the fact that we know the scudders have a sense of humor mm-hmm. and they are also robots, like, of course that's what they would do. Watch it. Yeah, okay, we'll watch it. We're not going to do shit with it. Is it because they're robots or is it because they just don't like rumor and they don't want to uh, follow logic as opposed to um what he just literally said to them
0: yeah they're they're really just like <laughs> well we'll just we'll just do what he said instead of what he means because like fuck him, like that seems to be right. really, uh, you know
2: yeah
0: that's a, that's a reasonable interpretation I would say you know? they
2: feel they feel slightly irreverent, I mean a lot of it has to do with the fact that they have three fingers and they have spent them or most of the time that we have seen them used as fingers. Uh, a lot of that is them flipping off the camera. Right. Or flipping off rumors specifically. Yeah, yeah.
0: So. Yep. That makes sense. Um, the mail comes. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of little eye candy stuff here. Lots of fun little jokes. Yes. Uh, triangular VHS tapes. That's apparently the, the future uh, storage medium of choice. And I just look at that and I go, they don't stack if they're triangles. Like, <laughs> you know, let's get all of those.
2: There are so many issues, <laughs> <laughs> if they're triangles maybe they come in like a triangle shaped tube or something
0: <laughs> well they're, they're they're triangular and so some of the but then uh when lister is holding up the two seasons worth of zero g football yeah. that's a that's a rectangular cartridge so maybe the triangular ones are just for like movies like you know the casablanca but then if you had like real storage space you need the old square kind uh, i don't know
2: like, i don't know that was already more thought than i'd ever given it. Uh, i mean i i love his reaction to the video games though. Yep. Because it is You mean
0: Lister's? Yes. Yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> They're all he. Hmm. <laughs> we'll get into that, don't worry.
2: Problems. I love Lister. Um this is uh one of the first episodes with his uh this hat, right? His style shifts he's up
0: a little bit. Worn, he's worn the hat before, but yeah, this is this is, we're, we're kind of getting into kind of what Lister is going to look like more regularly. You know? Yeah, um, uh, this is the first. This is the very first time in the series that we've done location shooting of any kind. True. Um. So I mean, you actually being outside and you know, kind of on the beach and at the golf course. And, and they and have
2: such. actually they have several uh, outfit changes when they're actually in the video game. Yeah. Um. But there's a little bit of a different feel to Lister. I feel like in this mm-hmm. episode he. Uh, Craig Charles tightens up his timing a little bit. Yeah. Which, you know, for the rest of the show, I will probably debate whether that that's a good or bad thing.
0: <laughs> right. Uh,
2: because, again, just his delivery of
0: the bouncing dumpling. <laughs> Proper dumplings, Rimmer. Proper dumplings do not bounce. It's fabulous. Which is a fabul- fabulous line. I mean, it is a little bit like, okay, this is like, quote unquote, comic timing as opposed yes. to, you know.
2: And I like that there's a sense that he has cleaned up his delivery because it's also Lister is knowing he's saying something funny. So there's a little bit of meta acting going on, you could say. Right. Or you could just say Craig Charles phones it in a tiny bit.
0: I don't think it's phoning it in necessarily. I think that he's uh, much more learning how to act and just be given this very authentic performance in the in the first season or the first series um then kind of after that he's he's a little bit okay he's a little more seasoned um and i mean i think there's i mean the show is definitely pointing a direction of that's going to be more overtly jokey than i think the first season was
2: okay maybe Um, that's more of what i'm feeling is the leaning into the beats
0: yeah um, Which I don't think is. I mean, we're going to talk about the show. A style it's still a brilliant change. show, but it is a, it is, a, it is a departure. I mean, we are opening up the show. We're mm-hmm. bringing more characters in. Um, I mentioned last episode that every episode of this series is going to have some new character, at least one new character mm-hmm. that we don't see otherwise. Um,
2: and you know, now that I'm thinking of it a little bit more, that the fact that Rimmer walks in with the giant fucking chef hat, like that's a little bit more gaggy. Right. than I'm used to,
0: although I think Lister wore a chef's hat when he was uh, learning to balance was... the power, but he was also—I mean—it looks like a like a hat that he was just wearing, whereas Rimmer is wearing like the huge, like you yes. know, um, overtly stylized. You I, know,
2: there is—I I do think an interesting theme of this episode, and I like that it's a theme of this episode because it helps act as a transition. They definitely address. That Lister, even though his fantasies might be over the top and include cocktails with fireworks in them, <laughs> they're still relatively practical.
0: <laughs> like See? caviar vindaloo is my favorite of yeah. Lister's uh, fantasies. By
2: the way, that sounds fucking bomb delicious, salty.
0: Salty, salty, salty,
2: salty, salty. But not, it sounds really good. I'm not to sure me. that
0: you could get any like of the nuance of caviar if you were going to vindaloo it. But you know.
2: I, that's the whole thing, and I love it. I love that. That's I love so the. Lister. I love the
0: forty-four Dom and a pint mug. I think that's. the oh, yeah. yeah. The other part of that, yeah. Um. Good year. Good year. <laughs>
2: Good year. He looks like he has a little bit of a tear in his eye. Um. And there's also the over-the-top, just guttural, visceral bits of cat. Um. I I sing that song all the time. Which song? I'm gonna eat you, little fishy. <laughs> I'm gonna eat. You.
0: Especially, especially when we have sushi. it's, yeah, like, it's like all the time. Little
2: fishy. If we
0: get if we get sushi, Shana will literally sing that song to every piece that she picks up. So. Yeah.
2: Um. Uh. But then there is the extra kind of Looney Tune gag of him pulling out a little fishing pole. Right. And honestly, I I could have gone for something like a a little bit more actual cat like right. feline. Um,
0: well, he's learned to use utensils. He's just using his own style utensils. Right. You know? I mean, last episode he had a spoon, and now he has a fishing pole. So you know, <laughs> could you just like gone with a net? A net would have been good. I like that too. Like, I kind of, I kind of like. I mean, a cat really wants to like reach in like with their claws and right. like you know right. dig into it. But I can imagine that was that would have been a nightmare to try to film. You know,
2: true. Yeah, no. I, I think a lot of the things that I'm thinking, on like, would have. Made an immediate mess, so maybe that's why they went for the (laughs) dainty option.
0: (laughs) Um. But he's in a nice restaurant, right? So he's gotta be like polite and sophisticated.
2: (laughs) I do love though, like, Lister's face of just abject horror and confusion as he starts like slowly, um, putting the fishing lure in, in the water. Yeah. And like just waiting excitedly, uh, (laughs) As Lister's just kind of like ordered the most boring things or not boring, um, but the most needlessly fantastical things, right. um, which just leads into the joke later where he has a robot that undoes his pants for him to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's just like, oh, and then he's he got says a ro- it's,
0: robotic loo, you know, it's like, you know,
2: he says it's like really fancy or something. Um, I'm trying to. Uh, I
0: don't remember what he says about it, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, there's. I mean, I mean, it's it's this sort of um, it's this sort of like excess you would see on like Lifestyles of the Rich mm-hmm. and Famous, you know? It's 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 Donald Trump's solid gold toilets, right? Like uh, right, but like. Before but it we still... knew he was a fascist, you know, when when it was like the late eighties, and it's just kind of like, oh, he's just like rich asshole, it... and he's got solid gold toilets. It's sort of that, but like two hundred years from now, so it's like, yeah, I've got a I've got a toilet that like is a robot and wipes for me, you know. Yeah, like,
2: and I think there's almost a Lister wants things like gold toilets, but his toilets would work. Yeah, Rimmer wants a marriage, but and I mean. This, this can be our segue into talking more about it. Rumor wants a marriage, but the only way he can even fantasize about it is if it goes badly.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... So, one of the things we're definitely going to have to kind of table for now mm-hmm. is this gets way more complex and it's dealt with in a lot more detail mm-hmm. in uh, the novels. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly the first novel really delves into, you know, yeah. kind of what... Remer's psychology really is good. What's really going on here?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and believe me, we will talk about that. Um, I kind of want to start actually with right. the, with the, the grief. Um, because, so this is our transition point. We're now going to talk about yep. some heavy shit. Uh, we are going to be talking about child abuse and uh, death of family members. So, yeah, Shana
2: um, might cry. Woohoo!
0: <laughs> there's every possibility. Uh, so, if you just a content warning for anybody who's uh, listening and who may not uh, feel be, be comfortable listening to that. So, um, rumors dead. I mean, obviously, you're three million years in the future and everybody's dead, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Rimmer finds out that his dad is not, like, like, having the letter in his hands and kind of being able to imagine his mother writing the letter and such, you know, that's a, that's a thing. Okay.
2: Know? So let me take a step back. Rimmer's not holding the letter in his hands. Right. Lister's reading it to him badly. Right. And we get to see Rimmer know and understand what is going on before Lister does. Sure. That moment of humor, I think, is. It is it's kind of striking going back and rewatching it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um again, Rimmer is an amazing character, but part of that is because Chris Barry just takes him so seriously. Right. And God love him for it because it's it makes an amazing performance, even though it's a comedic
0: performance. I was I was admiring you you mentioned the way that I mean, really what all through this sequence and there's I mean, roughly five or six minutes of this episode is spent on the death of, uh, Rimmer's dad and then the emotional responses that both Lister and Rimmer have to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a nice big chunk of this episode. This is some dark material and I'm gonna get, I'm, I'm going to get into exactly why this is dark here, uh, momentarily. They leaven it with humor and I think just the right dose. So that you, so that you are sold on how traumatic this is, but you're not, uh, left, but you're still able to kind of, to, to move through it. I mean, it it really does work as this kind of dramedy kind of thing, you know, to use a term that gets overused, but, um, it really does work both as, as humor and as, uh, I mean, Cameron Crowe could learn some lessons from this, you know? (laughs) Even, even, even like peak Cameron Crowe probably was not quite this good at at um, both delving into this uh, this kind of depth of, of feeling and um, this level of comedy because I mean you know the idea of Lister reading football scores down the uh, down the bog I mean that's just a, you know the child Lister wants his Lego set and that sort of thing and then. um rummer's description of of his parents and you know the kind of reversal of, like I hated the bastard and that sort of thing you know and and yet he's still feeling it I mean this is hugely hugely emotionally fraught material and yet it's delivered with such a and, and written with such a um, light touch that I mean really it wasn't until rewatching this now that, and, and kind of thinking like okay what are we going to talk about that it really hit me just just what's going on in this mm-hmm. sequence I mean you always knew like oh he had a bad relationship with his parents. I never really put it together like, no, this is, this is outright abuse. Like, that's what this is.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, I, I, I don't think I had ever questioned the fact that it was abusive. Right. Uh, but I definitely think this is the first episode that takes that to a level of dramatic seriousness. I feel like before we only really went as deep as, um, caricatures of these horrible parents. Right. In this episode, we get descriptions of literal torture. <laughs> so, and emotional abuse that was.
0: So, so I'll um, just, um, the, what came to my mind and, and this is very, very dark. So mm-hmm. apologies. Um, there was a, um, nonfiction book that was written about Fred Phelps, the uh, Westboro Baptist church, uh, founder. Yeah. Uh, before he was, I mean, kind of, during his rise to this you know to to what he kind of became
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um there were uh there was a court case about like abuse of his children and that sort of thing and this book became a it's now free to freely available you can just go read it online um because it it's a court document Mm -hmm. and so it's now free for everybody to read um it's called addicted to hate um and it is uh, it really details this horribly abusive man one of the things that he did was um forced his children to eat health food because he was obsessed with his health, because he had gained a lot of weight and got addicted to heroin, and then uh, went cold turkey and decided to exercise a lot and lose his weight, mm-hmm. and then forced all of his kids to do that precisely because he did, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, down to, I mean, there were, I think, nine children or something like that, and down to the ones that were, like, four years old. Not only that, but he forced them all to run marathons because he was running marathons, and so therefore they had to. Ah. Oh. This is only the beginning of the abuse that's like yeah. portrayed in this book. By the way, it mm-hmm. is one of the most depressing reads I've I've ever read. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I mean, there was like this moment where Rimmer says, "We didn't get to eat unless we can drone an inch."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's literally something that happened in the Phelps family household, where it wasn't growing an inch; it was unless you had lost some weight, you didn't get to eat.
2: Mm. Yeah. Oh God! No wonder. <laughs> It is interesting he takes these examples that are like like i said torture they are out and out torture
0: i mean putting putting your children on the rack is torture yes yeah I mean, you know. and
2: but also starving them
0: mm-hmm.
2: they ugh.
0: i mean if you take this remotely literally, yeah. I mean, if you take this remotely at face value, because I think you can read it as like, oh, it's exaggerated. I mean, you know, the idea that like the kid was six foot five by the time he was eleven is yeah. this kind of like exaggerated. Haha, this is all just joking kind of mm-hmm. thing. But underneath that, there's this real reality that they're trying to depict of just how terrible this was. And
2: I think we get some of that. I'm thinking from it, even from from the point of view of my educational background. But the idea of you have a kid who doesn't know the answer to something, so he doesn't get to eat. Right. He's then starving, Mm -hmm. which means that his brain literally will have a harder time functioning and learning new things. Right. And so the idea that Rimmer is who he is because he has been conditioned to constantly being in anxiety and never has the calm or the peace of mind to be able to actually remember the answer that his par- his dad was trying to him on every day. Honestly, he, he probably would have liked it. This is what rumor has convinced himself would make him happy in life. Right. Um, yeah, it just spirals. And I, the more little references and in jokes and, you know, he makes the joke or he makes it into a joke. By saying that he went to the hospital for malnourishment. Right. He makes a joke about malnourishment. <laughs> right. You know? So there's there's a lot in that scene that this time through, I think we were both just like,
0: oh, shit. Like, that... Yeah, I mean, my parents starved me. To... And, and so Ooh. so there is this uh, term that gets used, um, authoritarian parenting. I don't know if you've uh, read anything about this or kind of know mm-hmm. anything about it. Um... Authoritarian parenting is essentially what you do is you withhold um, affection from your children and hold them to very high standards. And uh, this is uh, basically to make them achieve things and you only give them emotional rewards when they achieve what you want them to achieve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, this is textbook version of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, there is some research And I will, you know, this is the sort of, uh, thing that I tend to reject as sort of like, or resist. I don't reject Mm -hmm. it. I resist it without like good evidence, but there, there is some psychological research that, um, draws a strong correlation between people who were raised in authoritarian family relationships Mm -hmm. and where their parents withheld affection from them and, uh, far right wing ideology that, that Rimmer is kind of embraced that, that Rimmer wants affection from a strong leader, political leader, the way that he wants affection from his father. And so therefore he worships Napoleon.
2: Yeah. And so that is, and I mean, it's such, you can talk about it in so many different ways. You can say that it's perfect picture, perfect picture of the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. all the (laughs) peas. That we have the system where, you know, the father is like, God and everyone looks up to man and, you know, Mm -hmm. all male figures, you know, capital P patriarchy. Right. Um, and with capital P patriarchy comes capital toxic masculinity.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, I mean, it all feeds into the same. I mean, what I'm saying is like, this is, this is really, really sophisticated in terms of you. Like, like, this isn't just like, oh, I had a shitty childhood and therefore I'm kind of an Mm -hmm. asshole. This is, plugging directly into, I mean, fairly advanced today, social science research.
2: True. It's also, though, I mean, like, operant conditioning, Skinner. Right, right, sure, sure. So, like, there's a little bit of playing to a really classical understanding of how someone learns something, but pushing it against the reality. I think one of the reasons that it succeeds for most of the episode is because it doesn't pretend that it knows the right way. It just says this is definitely the wrong way to raise a kid. Um, and clearly they were expecting their audience to understand that that's what an abusive household was like because a lot of them grew up in abusive households. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of the family dynamic that gets brought into Red Dwarf is, um, the desire for a familial community when you, uh, that still exists within the understanding of emotional uh, yeah. what's okay to have emotions about within the realm of toxic masculinity. And so then you get uh, Lister who oddly enough is much more secure in his masculinity uh, because all he really wants to do is hang out, eat and drink and chill with the cat. He doesn't even really think of women because honestly, I think Lister just knows they're not real. Right. Uh, so it doesn't really matter to him as much, you know. The cat will have Marilyn Monroe show up on a bed in the middle of a golf course, and then we get Rimmer and his seven children.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, just to uh, you know, before we before we leave uh, the the kind mm-hmm. of emotional stuff, uh, Rimmer divorces his parents, even mm-hmm. like he. I mean, you know, he, he goes that far, and mm-hmm. and I mean, again, just putting putting this out there, pointing it out, just because mm-hmm. this is going to be a part of his character going forward. Rimmer is simultaneously, he, he does divorce his parents at the age of 14, like mm-hmm. that is text in this episode. Mm-hmm. And yet constantly seeks their approval.
1: Yeah. And
0: that is, I mean, that is, that is textbook withholding of affection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, leads to Rimmer's own issues with interacting with people in his day to day life mm-hmm. as an adult. Um, what you see, I mean, if Remer did have children, he would be equally withholding to his own children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you do kind of view the the boys and the dwarf as sort of this kind of surrogate family, and I think that there's there's a lot of merit to that. Uh, you know, Remer withholds affection from Lister and the cat, and from mm-hmm. the people around him in he the thinks, same way that he learned from his from his father. He you know? thinks
2: the way to show someone you love them is to scold them and tell them they're stupid,
0: exactly, and that they
2: don't know what they're doing. You know. It, there's something truly pathetic in like the Aristotelian sense of the word pathetic.
0: It's about, not. A, it's not. It's not. A, it's not an oi spaceman family podcast unless Aristotelian isn't mentioned at some point, right? Shut up. Uh,
2: <laughs> there's something really pathetic about <laughs> the fact that the beginning of rimmer's fantasies when he is letting things go well right he's being given commendation after commendation and surprise without working for it without doing anything he is surprised by the game and we get a cheat out that it was the cat's fantasy but right. i well, well, will talk about so, that so
0: he gets he gets he becomes well first of all i mean his, his first thing is <sighs> like he can't accept nice things happening to him like mm-hmm. so uh Entering the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lister and uh, the cat, you know, they get a motorbike.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, apparently in real life, uh, Craig Charles, like, told them he could ride a motorbike, but oh. he actually couldn't. Heck. And they had, like, huge problems. And finally the person who drives off on the motorbike is not <laughs> Craig Charles in that shot. Um, so he gets a cool motorbike, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. And But then... Uh, Rimmer, you know he he looks like this little beat up piece of crap car, you know. Yeah, and then it finally takes a he, he takes it. He has, has to do a couple of tries. Like, okay, now now mm-hmm. I get my fancy car. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, no matter how much British TV I watch, uh, Left Hand Drive just is always one of those things that throws me for a second <laughs> where he gets into the left hand mm-hmm. uh, or the right hand right hand drive, excuse me, um, where he gets into that side mm-hmm. of the, the car, um, and then like he sits there, and then it's Yvonne Magruder, and suddenly right there. And, like, his great fantasy is the one girl who let me fuck her once, even though that was, let's just say, borderline consent, you know? Right. The one person he's actually had sex with, he wants to do it again. <laughs> so that's his fantasy girl.
2: Twice in one night.
0: In one lifetime. Oh. I might as well be Hugh Hefner. That's literally what he says.
2: Oh, he says lifetime? Oh, I <laughs> thought he said Night. Oh, that's even worse. Yeah. Oh,
0: poor guy. P- poor, poor Rimmer. You know, like I understand why. He can't and he get thinks laid. that
2: apparently having sex once and then you have septuplets.
0: <laughs> like the next, the next day, morning. The next morning. Yeah, I know. So and um, she looks
2: pregnant again.
0: Yeah. No, I kind of, I kind of get the feeling it's almost like spores growing out of her vagina. You know, like <laughs> yeah. they're just, they're just like yeah. popping out. No, no, they're no, like, no, no. They're like no, gremlins, no, no, you know, no. like where they like pop off the. Uh... No. no do 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 anyway uh um so yeah uh but then not only does he um he wants to fuck magruder she's got i mean it's such a it's such a rumor thing that like she's wearing a peekaboo bra first of all like and of course, that's the sort of thing that he would find, like, the sexiest thing ever. Well, and
2: she's not, like, she's in uniform.
0: Right, she's she's in her uniform. She and he's like, like hey, and tiger. you've got
2: sexy underwear under there, don't you?
0: And she's like, Rawr.
2: it's not even like, let me see your tits. <laughs> you know, like there, right. there is no immediate gratification in his well, world. It's,
0: it's, it's like he wants her to be trashy, which I'm not. I'm in no way trying to slut shame anybody for anything they choose to wear. But like that fantasy. I mean, I, I know, you know guys it makes who, me who like of? like the quote unquote slutty lingerie. You know,
2: well, and it, one of my favorite quotes from Dolly Parton, yeah, is that she said, "I always wanted to look like the town whore when I grew up." Uh, I'm paraphrasing to some degree, but that idea that, you know, whatever his idea of sex is, is wrapped up in Magruder. (laughs) Right. That is all he knows of sex. And so his whole view of relationships, this idea that it's it's clear he thinks you're only really going to have sex with one person. And that's the person you're gonna marry.
0: I don't, and I mean, maybe? Because
2: it's cause, I mean, to me, how else does he end up there except for, well, this is how things happen?
0: Well, I
2: You, you I know, would if almost... you have sex and you like someone, then you'll have kids and get married and then you'll have way too many kids and it'll just be bloody awful. And... Well,
0: there's definitely a kind of relationship escalator mm-hmm. element kind of happening mm-hmm. in, in, in like Rimmer's mind. I mean, he's definitely stuck in this sort of like family normative, modern normative, you know, sort mm-hmm. of like we could definitely talk about that. I mean, although Rimmer is such a deep misogynist that there's, you know, so much else going on with that as well yeah so so it's not it's not yvonne Magruder just ruined his life by giving him all these children you know i had nothing to do with that right it's like she just keeps having them i don't understand like that's sort of the right. attitude you get um and they're all in those little sailor suits i mean they're they're like the the bratty annoying kids in uh raising arizona like you know <laughs> God, it has been so long since I've seen Racing Arizona. <laughs> well, apparently we need to watch Racing Arizona. Yeah. But, I mean, it is sort of that same thing. And then that's also, I mean, you know, families with a bunch of kids that are all bratty and kind of like there's an element of class going on there. So he is talking about um there is this sort of like middle classiness that he's just sort of embraced and he has a bunch of kids. But, you know, they're kind of obnoxious. And so it's it's Rimmer. First, he embraces the middle class and then he becomes this like staggering drunk character who's missing teeth. And then that's, you know, like, like, so, so, so there's this de-evolution of his like social status as he gets deeper into his own psychosis, which Mm -hmm. tells you a lot about who, remember, because he starts off as this admiral, this Mm -hmm. respected guy writing books. He,
2: he starts out as somebody who becomes an admiral without even knowing it. (laughs) Right. And becomes someone who has fantasized that he is going to be eaten alive Having his face smothered in jam on a beach and their ants or whatever. Right.
0: Yeah, it was ants. We so, later learn, yeah. by the way, like uh, much, much later, uh, mm-hmm. Remmer um, references that his uh, brothers used to do that to him as a child. Oh, Jesus. So you don't, I don't know if that was like in their mind at this point, you know, when they were writing it but certainly that informs like the form that that takes like Absolutely. If, if he's suddenly being subjected to the old abuses that his far more successful brothers have like done to him and you know?
2: the idea that his family would only be like the family that his parents had and Yep. it it very much is uh an example of you know, the, the sins of the father are passed down to us oh, yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, those are the patterns well, that we it's know. So The we'll cycles of them. abuse. I yeah. mean, that,
0: that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Just back one more bit about Yvonne Magruder. Um, I kind of think the reason that he, like, fantasizes her is, I mean, I, I think that the, you know, wanting the relationship and wanting her again. You got to think, like, so they had sex once and then Rimmer's not going to let that go. Her is going to be the, like, pestering kind, you know? You can see him, like, on her Facebook wall. Like, you know, hey, really, really miss you. Love to go out sometime, you know? You can kind of see him, like, being that kind of douchey guy. And her having to, like, be forceful with him to get him to stop fucking bothering her, you know? And... Well, okay. If if suddenly in his fantasy he gets to have her again, you know, sort of...
2: Again, from the girl's perspective, this guy basically jumped you when you didn't really want him to and he won't leave you the fuck alone i'm betting magruder doesn't like avoids him uh if there aren't
0: complaints about him and like (laughs) there's probably a restraining order i I would definitely i would definitely agree with that
2: but and i would believe that that would be something that rimmer would just you know so happen to forget uh oh she didn't mean that it was just over some silly blah blah, blah. you know people are always misunderstanding and you know very quickly gets into mra territory
0: well and let's just back to our greatest uh episode ever you know there is that bit in chasing amy where like you know jason muse or jace says, you mm-hmm. know oh you get girl problems oh bitch pressing charges again you know, that's such, like, connecting those two things and Rimmer, yeah. you know, if rumor was a little bit more successful with the ladies, there would be a, oh, she's pressing charges again element to his love life.
2: <laughs> yeah. I And I think that that's, again, I mean,
0: what does Rimmer aspire to be?
2: A drunk frat dude. Yeah. You know? Which, he in asp- a way,
0: is kind of what Lister already is, right? It's right. not a frat well, dude. He
2: he aspires to be part of the patriarchy.
0: <laughs> he aspires and, to be at the top of the patriarchy.
2: Yeah. And Lister just says, "Eh, (laughs) um, I can do what I want without the approval of all these old white bastards.
0: Yep. He can because he's awesome. Mm -hmm.
2: He's also lighter skinned than the cat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's that too. There's that too.
2: But the cat is who I have issues with because the cat is the one whose wish fulfillment. I think that they make the joke that it was the cat's fantasy to lessen the blow, that either makes the cat really mean or it makes so Rumor you're talking, imagining... you're that- talking
0: about the father yeah. calling him a smeghead. Yeah. That that didn't... The fact that they don't let that come from Rumor's mind, but it's like text in the episode that the cat yeah. did that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely kind of like... Because it is... And again, when we get to Infinity, Welcome, Careful mm-hmm. Drivers, that this, this kind of comes back. But um, that,
2: and there are a couple other choices that I feel like the cat kind of just becomes a character. I mean, he becomes literally the butt of jokes, and he becomes the like but I'm chain guy.
0: Well, he he definitely will increasingly just be the comic relief mm-hmm. in, in the in the episodes, you know um my favorite bit with the cat is actually when i get my stomach pumped and i'm hungry hey <laughs> when he comes up when he comes up the stairs into the yeah. observation uh yeah. deck thing the observation uh, yeah. ball there's a name for it but whatever um which by the way is they built for this episode and then oh. it's used in one more episode and then it never used again um well, yeah, the, you know, it's right at, like, you know, Remorant is most despondent and like, communicating mm-hmm. honestly with Lister. And the cat comes to and goes, hey, feed me! Which is like, yeah, I mean, you could, you could get stuck in your man pain for a while. You can you can have these issues, but ultimately, your, your pets are not going to let you stay in it for long, because they're going to need to be fed. <laughs> yeah. like, I've definitely been in that place where I was feeling sorry for myself, and then one of my cats comes up and goes, like, hey, yeah. hey, pet me. Ow. smack." Where are my treats, asshole? Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the the cat also is uh, probably the filthiest thing in the episode. Is uh, the mermaid. The reverse mermaid. And not the reverse mermaid. Which, by the way, that is so obviously a really terrible costume. And I'm really glad they keep it mostly in the distance. So, it's you
2: know. so... It's like... The joke is funny enough for the, it to be a, a right, horrible... Right costume but yeah
0: well and if you imagine it it's like well i mean clearly it's within this like fictionalized world so it you know it kind of looks as good as the cat's imagination makes it look so you know you can kind of just try it that way Mm -hmm. but the fact that he's like oh no no, that's the right way around and then he does this little tongue thing you know and uh you know i'm in no way um anti-cunnilingus here you know in fact i'm very pro-cunnilingus but man that's a little bit that's a little bit on the nose for a <laughs> for, you know for a for a for a science fiction comedy thing that goes out in 1988. You kind know, of kind of aimed at 13 year olds.
2: There's like a little bit of a Rodney Dangerfieldish moment of like, I don't know which end I'm gonna eat first.
0: <laughs> uh, there's even a cannibalism bit. There's a bit where you know it's like, remember his dad died? Oh, I would prefer chicken. Look. <laughs> There are so many just really weird
2: jokes that the cat gets.
0: Uh, I feel like I feel like because the material is so dark, they're almost like bringing the cat in, just like they're yeah. they're pushing him up to eleven just to and, lighten the mood.
2: And know. that's some of what I end up not liking is I feel like the cat ends up coming off just looking a
0: little bit like a jackass, right? Um, Even it, more than usual. Yeah. He's supposed to be like aloof and doesn't care, whereas here he's, it seems he's a little, a little bit mean, malicious. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that.
2: Um, so. I, you know, I understand why they do it in the moment, but they also introduce this game character and then only ever use him kind of as background. And I'm like, why not let that character be an instigator or the, <laughs> the one coming in and being like, but it's still better than life. You know, there, right, yeah. there could have been lots of little jokes that they
0: made. Um, I, there are a lot of people in this. I mean, this is because, this, yeah. this might be our most... I mean, this definitely is our most populated episode yet. Well, maybe some of the dance sequences. Yeah, I was gonna Power, say. But in terms of speaking roles, this is yes. absolutely the biggest yes. episode we've had to date, and one of the biggest I think we're gonna have for a while. I mean, you know, um, at least until the next season. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything bigger than this in, in series. I don't two. remember. Um, but I, uh, so, so not only, I mean, we have a, we have a larger cast. We've got, um, actual female speaking roles, even though they only God get forbid. a few, a few lines each. I mean, yeah. um, Yvonne Magruder, I didn't write down the actress's name, so I apologize, but, you know, Yvonne Magruder, she's, She's fun. Uh, you got the female newscaster. We'd get to, so our giant mistake that Jack Graham will never let us forget is, you know, where we, um made the mistake of, or I made the mistake of not knowing that the ch- Groovy Channel 27 is a satire of BBC4. Or it might be BBC3. Maybe I forgot that detail too. Jack, you're gonna have to beat me down for that. Oh, okay. But, um, did I not express this to you? No. Yeah, so uh, in an earlier episode, they, they do make reference to, like, oh, funky, groovy Channel 27. Where oh, <laughs> being okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, I was like, I don't quite get that joke. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know. And apparently, like, um, one of the, like bbc channels was known for having this you know kind of like more you know kind of youth oriented groovy edge you know and so it's sort of a parody of that you know
2: yeah. um and saying you're not and, as hip and, as you think you are
0: and they mention it and specifically in and the aspect of having a, a holographic mm-hmm. uh newsreader so oh, i'm right. glad we finally got to see her um she's she, she gets the the uh first page of the bible joke uh, mm-hmm. which is which is fun and uh the perrier you know, the middle you know, class poison. Guy? Po- poison Perrier. You know, the death of the entire middle class.
2: Which, <laughs> which Lister so... watching that is like.
0: That's Rimmer watching that.
2: Oh, is it Rimmer?
0: Yeah, it's Rimmer watching that because he's oh. watching it while he's despondent over his his dead oh, dad. Oh, right. And then the cat comes in and is like, "They're still no consoling him."
2: <laughs> yeah. Good okay, news for the so... little wormies. <laughs> oh God, that's right. Oh, that's awful. <sighs> The worms eating your dad are happy.
0: Why aren't you happy? You gotta look on the bright side, man. You know, silver linings. Yeah.
2: I I do love, though, um, getting to see the news channel. It feels like, clearly, I don't really know what the BBC news looked like in the 80s. Right. Um, But it definitely has a bit of an MTV vibe
0: yeah, to it it, defi- it definitely feels you know like like mtv ish kind of hip i mean mm-hmm. again hold on was it 1988 like this is this is yeah like, they reference bob Geldof. Is, yeah they were bob geldoff Brooke shields by the way not brook shields the person they reference Brooke shields bum or buttocks as being like among the most valuable things that you could never find along with like the venus de milo's arms so they've literally equated an actual real person <laughs> with a statue by the way i'm just putting that just, out there yeah you know um yeah and the the front of the 13th movie series is up to part 1000 and something you know
2: yeah those jokes were funny kind of i guess once upon a time but like i understand that was the era of like the sequels being a new thing
0: well that was the thing of like the front of the 13th sequels like by this point that series was pretty much done you know mm-hmm. and uh you know, I kind of get the and there were like there was like another one every year or something, mm-hmm. and it was like I get you know that was a common joke. I mean, like mm-hmm. Spaceballs has the Rocky five thousand joke, yep. and you know, so it's it, it it feels a little bit like yeah, this is a little bit beneath this show. Like like this show this show should be doing better than that. You
2: know, well and. <sighs> I guess my my only real question about the little news show. I think it's funny and whatever, and I'm not like hung up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do question how much of a joke the news show is. Like, how much are we supposed to think? Like, oh, of course, this is the room. The news rumors oh, watching. It's it's oh right. Like it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, and why is he watching the, like, groovy Channel 27 stuff? Because it's he not sh- really groovy. Well, 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 he should be watching the, like, straight-laced, you know... Okay, you know, so... He should be watching Fox News, yes. and he's watching The Daily Show. You know what I mean?
2: That's what I was, I was going to yeah. say. Let's just say what we mean. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Why is he watching Daily Show? Why is he Show?
0: watching MTV? Like, remember, would not be watching MTV News.
2: But I also think that the point of this is, like, okay, he's not really watching MTV. He's watching, like, MSNBC.
0: I think that really what's happening is uh, he put it on as something to distract him, mm-hmm. you know? And also, like, I mean, you got to think, like, you get your first, like, doses of the world after a couple of years in deep space. Yeah, you just kind of put it in and just, like—but I think he's also, like, thinking about his father at that point and um, and uh, isn't—I mean, he's just not paying attention to it at that level.
2: Exactly. And so there's a little bit for me of this is the news that Rumors trying to pay attention to— But it's also the news that's not really keeping his attention. Right. Um, And again, this is because I'm a pop culture geek. Uh, There is something to me that is very specifically like, I do not understand this moment in pop culture enough to really feel secure that I get this joke. Right, right. (laughs) Um, It's still funny. Yeah. yeah. Again, not hung up on it. Yeah, yeah, no. But no, no, there I... there's definitely something I'm like, hey, Jack, apparently. You know, how many times have we mentioned Jack in this episode?
0: <laughs> not as many as you did the last giant woman.
2: <laughs> uh, it's not my fault I said Marxism <laughs> <laughs> So um
0: yeah, and uh I mean even the Bible joke just feels a little bit like I mean, is is this really like the I mean, it's a funny gag. But it's also kind of, you know... It's kind of a lame joke. Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's, it feels like they're... It feels like they're trying just a little bit too hard in this one. You know? Despite the fact that I, I really do like this episode for what it tells us about Remmer. I really love those, like, quiet moments in the observation uh, thing. hmm I really like... Parts of this episode a lot. I love kind of going into Better Than Life and kind of seeing that and getting out and being on a location for a while and uh, seeing everybody have fun. But it's it's a bit of an odd duck and it's a bit of a you know it, it, you probably could have used another pass on it or so. Um, specifically when you get to the end. And it has a very kind of odd ending for for a Red Dwarf episode where, I mean, you know, we kind of find out we're still in the game. And then, I mean, you literally just end on, and then he breaks his hand, you know, the tax the collector just breaks Rimmer's hand and then dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah,
2: and it says game over.
0: Yeah, like there's, there, it feels like they just kind of didn't know quite how to end it. And this is very clear because... When you get to the books where they have much more time to play with this idea, they still don't quite know how to end it. So right. we'll get there. Don't worry. Um, I
2: I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I, the number one thing you will hear in every creative writing workshop ever is don't end a story with "and then I woke up."
0: Right, but this almost has to like once you're once you're once you've set this is your premise. Like,
2: but the I, I think I don't think it is a good idea to end it on, but you're still in the game. (laughs) Right. Uh, And that's kind of the point I'm making. I liked the idea that they came out of the game and they were still dealing with stuff. The ending that, oh, no, you're not really, just makes me wish, like, okay, well, if they're not really, what happens when they actually wake up? Right. Because I care about these characters, and I don't see them as just sitcom characters. And this wraps up like a sitcom. Um, I kept waiting, because I know that there are a couple episodes uh that they have dialogue in the credits where it'll like pause the song yeah. and you'll hear some dialogue. I kept it's thinking it's a garbage
0: pod. <laughs> it's a speaking garbage pod.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I love that episode. Uh but yeah, um I kept waiting for like
0: <laughs> Shannon's literally shaking with happiness <laughs> at the garbage pod joke. <laughs> The podcast audience has no idea, like, how happy I just made my wife.
2: Uh, smeghead. Yeah, I, I lost everything now. It's now fine. I'm just in my head. I'm hearing Crichton say Smeghead. We haven't gotten there yet.
0: No, no, we haven't. Uh, one more bit I'll just uh, mention and then we'll kind of wrap up here. Um, I really... Uh, I think it's interesting that the first time Lister offers Remmer to come into the virtual reality environment he says no and then after like after he gets kind of confronted by the cat and then uh in the um with the worms thing and he's kind of watching the the news and uh it's at that point like he kind of has to come later and i think there is this almost hopeful message in that you know as kind of silly as the better than life game is and it's kind of like as much as it kind of goes horribly wrong the idea that we often um process our emotional responses to real life through the culture we consume through the media we consume Mm -hmm. is i think a really positive message and it is something that um it does you know for all of the kind of silliness in this this feels like a very authentic depiction of grief um, not just Remer's grief, but Lister's grief, at, you know, cause he's remembering his own dad and, you, know, kinda,
2: you L- know, Lister also gets to,
0: he gets to be supportive
2: and he gets to grieve the good life. Yeah. You know, he gets to grieve the fact that he doesn't even really have a dream of going to Fiji anymore. Right. You know, in in the video game, he can have fucking cocktails on the golf course. and
0: <laughs> With fireworks. <laughs> with
2: fireworks. But what is he doing in the game that he's not kind of already doing Right. I mean, in, on the ship? He doesn't imagine can, himself a wife or a partner of any can, kind. You kind you of know? touch
0: on this in that, like, Lister is... Because he doesn't, like, seek out sexual gratification or emotional gratification, he's just after kind of the hedonistic pleasures of of this game world he's 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 resisting the ersatz quality of it you know and whereas the cat is just enjoying like he's he's the the cat isn't deep enough to know it's ersatz in a way (laughs) like he doesn't have that kind of emotional resistance to it and rimmer like certainly his fantasies are all about like you know proving himself right (laughs) and getting all the things that he thought he deserved you know as a when he was alive so um there really is this kind of uh, fascinating way in that the three of them respond to being in this game world, which is in no way going to influence the way that we cover this when we talk about the books, <laughs> because that doesn't come back at all. That's certainly not something that we explore in much, much more detail.
2: I <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just I'll save what I have to say for the book.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, if you have anything to say about the episode, uh, wrapping up, final thoughts, favorite jokes.
2: There is a really wonderful schadenfreude of the self. I, the moments where you have Rimmer just completely falling apart over the spider crawling up his leg. And what I love about it so much is it's all in the performance. It's all yeah. in, in the way they're delivering these lines to each other because they don't actually have a, a giant spider with fangs. Um, it's just Danny John and Chris Berry playing off of each other that moment with the spider crawling up he's like oh it's getting to my boxers you know the utter horror and you know lister being like oh i'll give you money sure why not where'd all my money go and he just oh god I just... That River's little just bit of timing right
0: Remember, Rumor ruins everything, right? You know?
2: <laughs> and he knows it. And that's honestly... <laughs> what is like... his fantasy is to not fucking ruin everything all the time. But River... he knows he's just going to... It's going to be his fault.
0: Remember, uh, is entropy defined. Yeah. You know? Like, he's just... He just, like, decays everything around him. Despite trying to be this, like, so upright, no, righteous, you know, right-wing asshole. <laughs> he just destroys everything. <laughs> And that's who Rumor is. Um, would you watch the version of Casablanca with Myra Dinglebat and Peter Beasley?
2: I, if for no other reason to see the actors with those names.
0: Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Myra Dinglebat, like, doesn't that.
2: The fact that that is the name of a successful actress.
0: I kind of think that, like,. Maybe she's because not so Lister, successful because Lister is the one saying like that's the definitive version. I kind of think that that was like the one that was made like on a low budget with like
2: explosions, like
0: like it's sort of like the uh, like the the sitcom actor or like the uh, you know the the skin chick who's trying to go. <laughs> trying to go uh, legit you know and so you know it's kind of like oh yeah I got my I made my name in these like you know titty movies with comedy and bit, and then suddenly I'm like trying to be a serious actress
2: so like Jenna Jameson starring
0: yeah something like that you know like it's 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 trying to be like that sort of thing you know and, yeah uh, like I can see that that's the version of Casablanca that um, like not to diss Jenna find.
2: Jameson too much I just know that she kind of holds that I think
0: she kind of turned into a right winger okay never mind trying... I
2: can yeah, diss so, her just yeah. fine uh <laughs> <laughs> or Paris Hilton. That works, too. <laughs>
0: sure, sure. Uh, <sighs> or maybe it's a little bit like uh, like um, uh, Britney Spears. You know, Britney Spears, yeah. like, kind of... I don't know, Myra Dinglebat is just such... But then again, that's also, like, my God, like, guys, do you have to, like, name... When you name female characters, do you have to name one Dinglebat? Like, it, yeah. th- this is... <laughs> They're... There, 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 there is some, there is some inherent misogyny kind of going on.
2: Oh yeah, no, there's a reason I don't really want to talk about the women in this episode, <laughs> right? Um. I mean, because th- you would there's... think having some women in the episode would be great, but no, they're just—it's completely objectified fantasy girls.
0: Right, I mean, and they're explicitly fantasy girls, and yeah. it's not really commenting on that at that, all. It's just there, except that like Marilyn Monroe is famous. <laughs> I mean, it literally equates like the cat's desire for Marilyn Monroe with. Hitler's de- or <laughs> Hitler Rimmer's desire for Napoleon, right? You know, yeah. Like it's, but it's there's the also same thing, like Rimmer you
2: know? Rimmer says that uh, he's not getting the uh, Napoleon's autograph for himself. It's for his,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's for my sister Arnold. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I I don't know. There's just so many little tangents that it goes on. Right. Um. The 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 women tangents are none of them. Uh good for women but they work just great as characterization for men which is the only reason they're there exactly uh well, so yeah
0: and in the next episode we're going to meet an actual female character Nah, no. we are no we are um uh interesting uh, bit uh, i mean kind of just just uh, again just plugging back into that thing um christian kachansky is on this And I mean, I think that goes back to Lister knows well enough to know that he wouldn't want the Ursatz Kachansky.
2: And and I think that that is, again, it goes back to what really defines Lister and Rimmer and their differences is that Mm -hmm. Lister doesn't want anything if it's not genuine. Yeah. He can get genuine enjoyment himself off of like imaginary food and beer or not even beer that's champagne Champagne, in a fucking pint pint glass. That I is... would. I, I've done that.
0: Well,
2: and, and I mean, that's what Rimmer. I mean, that's what Lister finds so fun.
0: Right. Yeah. Is yeah. it's
2: not just the fact that he's getting Vindalus, he's getting the extravagant, stupid Vindaloo. <laughs> right. Whereas Rimmer wants all the stuff that you have to work for, or the stuff that people should be giving you without working. You like, know,
0: like the Like like affection from affection, the care people from... who are supposed to care about you. Yeah, yeah, so
2: there's definitely
0: I mean he wants to go and play Admiral. He yeah. wants to like like I mean he does he But he doesn't wants want to, to do the job. He wants to tell the joke to everyone and find and everybody find him hilarious, but he doesn't have a joke to tell. So that's rumor in a nutshell, right? Like he wants the credit for being this great wit, but he doesn't actually how, he can't even finish the joke he thinks he knows how to tell, you know? And, I mean, I'm certainly not going to complain that someone tells a bad joke because I tell bad jokes in every episode of this podcast. Um, and I tell the
2: bad jokes all... I mean, I tell this specific variety of bad joke all the time where I start and I'm like, ah, damn. <laughs> right. I I do that in every, pod co- <laughs> every he, podcast he, we've had.
0: He wants to be the center of attention, but he's completely unsuited for it. And he's
2: completely unsuited for it, and he doesn't even know what that would look like. Yeah. You know? And again, it, it goes back to for me this idea like he would be happy to be surprised that he found out he was an admiral.
0: <laughs> right. I it, love this game.
2: Right. If if I was magically given a, a job title, I don't know that I would be happy. Because my first question would be like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just and,
0: kind and of like middle class like right. fantasy. I mean, it's just I mean there was this thing I, I think about um <laughs> there was this, like, Mad Magazine thing that was published in the 60s or something. And it was, like, playgrounds for grown-ups, for, like, grown men, you know? And so instead of, like, little boys riding, like, little rocket ships, it was, like, grown men, like, getting to sit behind a big desk that says Chairman of the Board and, like, that sort of thing. And, like, they get to, like, play that way. And that's kind of what I think Rumor's doing here. It speaks to this, like, fundamental emotional immaturity that he has. Yeah. That what he really wants is to just... Wear the fancy dress and and be um, respected. Whereas, he doesn't
2: actually want any more responsibility. He yeah. doesn't want to we're, be we're in as, charge. He just Lister, wants to feel appreciated.
0: Lister and the cat are like they just embrace the like like even though their desires are not any more mature, they're not pretending it is. They're not pretending that there's anything else going on except for like I like I like cocktail drinks with fireworks in them. You know, like mm-hmm. and I mean. I wouldn't say if I was in a virtual reality game and I could go bang Marilyn Monroe. I'm not saying I wouldn't, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it, there is also, though, the fact that
2: when you only go looking for shallow fulfillment, you can be really happy with shallow fulfillment. Yeah. But if you think you're going to magically be a better person by sh- with shallow fulfillment, yeah, yeah. you are going to magically discover,
0: no. Which is also kind of about engagement with art in general, right? Mm. You know, where if you engage with material in a superficial way, you know, you don't really get anything. I mean, you know, it's entertaining. It's fine, you know, but you're not really getting much out of it. Whereas if you engage with, you know, kind of artistic creations in a more um, dynamic way and a more, you know, kind of getting at the core of it, you know, I, I do think that there's something that the, sh- that the episode is kind of teaching us there. That's interesting. Sorry, I just thought of that. So, yeah. Awesome. Anything else I think we've <laughs> gone through pretty much everything in this one,
2: yeah, uh you know it I like video games, I like video games and science fiction, I like video games and t v shows i i I like this episode not only for it being what it is, despite the kind of maliciousness that comes in at points that yeah. i I think is just a little heavy handed. But it is a trope that I enjoy across shows. Um, I I, I think of Futurama (laughs) because they have a lot of virtual video games. Um,
0: I think this one, I think I am not always a fan of this trope because I think it, I mean, ultimately, once you're going into this virtual reality world, then nothing means anything because it's just whatever. I think that what is interesting here is that it works because it uses the game to explore the psychologies of the people in the game. And, you know, so it sort ultimately comes about character and not really, it's not like asking what is real and what's not, which would have been another way to go with this is. And then again, that we'll get into that when we get into the book. Um, it really is just asking us to consider the characters and particularly they use the game as an extension of like Rimmer's character and teach us a whole lot about Rimmer in this episode. And, uh, Increasingly, I think Rimmer is going to, like, where Rimmer works, the show works, and where Rimmer doesn't work, the show doesn't work. And, uh, I think that'll, as I think more and more about where this podcast is going, I think that's kind of what we're gonna find, you know?
2: And, And I think that that is a lot of Red Dwarf, is why does Rimmer exist? Yeah, I, this show, ostensibly, Lister is the one we're following. Right. But everything that Lister does is held back or shaped, uh, however you really want to look at it, by who Rimmer is and what Rimmer does for Lister, which we are ultimately led to believe was deemed by the computer as the best person to be with him. Right. Because he spent the most time with them and uh, yeah. knew each other the best or whatever. I yeah. forget what it was. Because
0: <laughs> he shared... 14 million words. Right. 7 million of which are rumor telling, putting Lister on report. Mm-hmm. And the other 7 million are Lister telling Rumor to Smack off. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing we didn't mention was uh, Gordon the computer and the chess playing. Oh,
2: I do kind of wonder, like, so is Gordon just some robots or, like, some computers somewhere, like, hanging out with a bunch of dead people dust?
0: No, I think that the idea is that Gordon, like, this this, this pod has been on the way for three million years. So oh. Gordon was somewhere in the solar system. He threw this in the post, and then it just finally got there three million years later. So I can imagine Holly's going to be like, all right, going to send it back, I guess, you know. Um, True. There's a reason Gordon never came back. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: Everybody's already dead. Yep. Including Everyone's dead, Dave.
0: All right. I guess that's it. Um, Everybody is dead, Dave.
2: Dave, everybody is dead.
0: <laughs> is that all you have to say? That's it? You're done? I'm done. Okay. Dave. Um, <laughs> 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 you can find all our episodes at alwaysspaceman.com. Uh, check us out all on the internet, etc, etc. And until next week, the drive plate is closed.
2: Mango juice!